I remember when I was uh, a teenager, a younger teenager, and I remember going out on a, a camping trip with a Boys Brigade. Now, that's the back of ways, and some of you won't remember that, but Boys Brigade was an organization that was done in the church, and it was really done well. And uh, we were in Calgary, and we'd gone out into the woods, and uh, in the woods there, we decided that, uh, you know, we were, we'd probably just uh, drive into this location. It had been raining for about two or three days. It was miserable. We were all cold. Uh, we were wet. It was it was terrible in that sense, and, and just, oh, it's an awful place to be. And we decided that we needed a fire. Well, actually, the leaders decided that we needed a fire. And so the leaders decided this, and so they went and they got all the wood and they gathered it up and they tried to create a fire. Now, if you've ever tried to create a fire when it's wet out, it's hard. And so they tried to create this fire and they a number of times tried to light it. It went on for a long time. We're all starting to shiver. We're all wet. We're all cold. And some genius... Somebody figured, let's put some gas on it. Now, you know, I never was afraid of gas before that. I thought gas was something that you could use and it was good. I'm a, I have a good, healthy respect for gas at this point. And so they decided to put gas on it, and it wasn't just a little gas. I mean, if a little works, a lot's got to work better, right? So they poured gas on this thing, and I'm standing there. I'm probably not that far away from it, didn't realize it. And all of a sudden, they lit this match. And it, I can remember the sound just as clear as day. It sounded like a freight train coming out. Whoop. This thing probably went six or eight feet in the air. And it was great. We were nice and warm. None of us had any facial hair. But we were nice and warm at that point, and we really were amazed at how well that worked. Well, you may know that we just had a fire not that long ago in our rental property a couple weeks ago. It was actually, was it last Sunday? Two Sundays ago, it must have been. Uh, we had a fire, and, and it went through and destroyed its complete write-off and all of those things. And that's just a piece of property, and God will work it all out, and I'm not worried about those things. But I was, I was amazed at uh, the fact that fire is so dangerous. It can cause so many things and more difficulty. But I was also amazed that when we arrived on the scene that there had actually been three dogs. No, nobody was home, but there were three dogs that were in the place. And uh, what was ha- interesting is that the, the rescue team showed up first and without regard for themselves ran in to a fire, a building that was on fire. And I, if you see this thing, you'd realize that it was caving in and the dogs had been in there for 45 minutes and they came out and the dogs were great. And you think, wow, these guys showed up and did that. More than that, they sometimes run in and save people. Now, at the same time, it must be the most dangerous, most difficult, and most rewarding job there is. Dangerous in the sense because you do literally put your life at stake. You just, you know, without regard to yourself, you just run right in and you grab or get whatever you need to to save somebody. Uh, difficult in the sense that you can't save everybody. As a child, I can remember as a child living in Calgary, and in Calgary it has all these back alleys. It's the way it's built. It's not like it's built here. And I can remember the house across the corner from us burning. And there was a man in the basement And the man never got out. I had never felt so useless in my life. He was there. I couldn't do anything about it. I wanted to run in, but knew that was impossible. I was only a teenager at that point. 
just not possible to do that. And I think so for a fireman or a rescuer, that must be very difficult when you lose somebody. But think about how rewarding it is when you go into a burning building, grab somebody, haul them out, and restore them. How great that must be. Well, you know, the truth of the matter is we think that's great. But what would we think if when the firemen show up or the rescue team showed up, they pulled up and they got out and they said, we're the first ones here and we know there's a couple of people in there, but because we probably can't save everybody, we're not going to save anybody. What would we think about that? We think, well, you guys are useless. Like, why would you do that? And, and how come? And if you can't save everybody, you're not going to save anybody? Like, that's terrible. And yet we seem to be getting there when it comes to missions. We seem to be getting there when it comes to the area of missions. It's kind of like, let's just make a half effort. Let's just kind of, you know, and, and we've gotten this philosophy that people are going to heaven anyway. And the Bible's absolutely clear. There's only one way to go to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. And yet we kind of just kind of backed off on that. And I'm thankful for a great missions committee, and I'm thankful that we're seeing missions kick back up again, and I'm thankful for that because I believe that we have a responsibility to go into all the world and preach the gospel and share the gospel with people. You see, people aren't going to go to heaven. You see, there are no, not all roads lead to heaven. It's, it doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cover the Father except through me. That is Jesus Christ that does that. That is Jesus Christ that leads people. And the passage that we're dealing with this morning talks about the fact that people need to hear the gospel. Now, I'm thankful we have a wonderful ministry here in, in Oruana. I know the gospel goes forth. And, and in our Christian school, I know the gospel goes forth. And Sunday morning, we make sure in other areas, in our ministries and all of that. But that's not enough. For Jesus has commanded us to go into Jerusalem. That's Quispamsis. And he's commanded us to go into Samaria. That's the next town over. That's what that is, Judea. That's the whole region. And guess what? The uttermost parts of the world. That's what we're commanded to do. That's what we've been told to do. And to say, well, we're just going to do our Jerusalem because there seems to be a movement in that. We're just going to do our area because the needs are so great in our area. That doesn't fulfill the command. That's not what we're told to do. We're to go to the whole world and reach the whole world. And notice it's not, you can reach your Jerusalem, or you can reach your Samaria, or if you feel like it, you can, hit, you can kind of hit Judea. But, you know, maybe some of the world, if you get around to it and you have time. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that we are to go into the whole world simultaneously, all at the same time, having an effort to reach out. Now, missions are important, and planting a church in India is very important. Why? Because there are people that are lost and dying and on their way to hell. And we have the privilege to run into the burning world, to run into the fire, to rescue some. Will everybody respond? Well, the answer, of course, is no. But with just one, if just one could be saved from the fires of hell, if just one could be saved and pulled out, isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth all of the effort and the time and the work that we put into it? Absolutely. 
you know, I kind of look at it this way. If you were the only person in the world, would Jesus have gone to the cross for you? Yeah, he would have. He would have gone to the cross and paid the penalty of your sin so that you could have eternal life. How could we do anything less? Now, with that in mind, let's go over to Romans. And picking it up at Romans chapter, oh, these are great, Arnie. Thank you. Picking it up at Romans chapter, sorry to say that, chapter 10, and picking it up in verse 9. It says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And is saved, sorry. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Isaiah not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Isaiah, or or, pardon me, of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Father, we ask your blessing on the few moments that we'll spend in the word of God today. Lord, we know that it's important. We know that the message is there that we are to reach the world. We are to reach out to those around us. And so I pray, Father, that we would do that as we look into this passage, that our hearts would be challenged as a church and as individuals. Who knows, there may be somebody here who needs to be sent. Who knows, there's maybe somebody here who just needs their heart moved on missions, Lord, that we'd realize it's such an important part of your plan and such an important part of this church. Help us, Father, we pray today to just move in a powerful way across this world that you've given us to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first thing we notice from this passage is that everyone can be saved. Everyone can be saved. It tells us that. It makes it clear. If you notice, actually, if you go back to verse 4, it says, everyone who believes. If you go up to verse 11, it says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. If you go to verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Three times it mentions the fact that people are saved by calling on the name of the Lord. Three times it talks about that. Now, Pastor Dave talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but he says here that if you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
It's absolutely clear that there's a total commitment then that is given in regards to salvation. It's not just enough to think in in some mental way that somehow I'm going to add Jesus to what I'm doing. It needs to be more than that. There is a moving of the heart that from the internal there is this moving, this idea of trusting in Christ. And so with my mouth, I confess the Lord Jesus, but with this belief that I have in my heart, then I am saved. It's absolutely a total commitment. It's a totally in 100%. And people that think that I can be saved somehow by just adding Christ or giving a little part or, Christ, I'll let you have that part or I'll let you into this part, that does not work. How many people remember when there was smoking in restaurants? Do you remember that? Remember when they had a smoking section and then they had a non-smoking section? Did that work? No, absolutely not, right? It would drift over. It's like, forgive me for this, but peeing in a pool. Right? Like, I mean, I'm just going to have a peeing section in a pool. And you can pee over there, but nobody else can. Well, you know, the people somehow think that way about salvation. That somehow, somehow I can give Christ this little piece. You see, salvation is 100% total commitment. And every person that gives their heart, believes in their heart, and confesses with their mouth can be saved. Now, you may be here this morning. You say, well, I can't be saved because I've done this or I've done that, or there may be something in your life that just kind of stands out and God could never forgive me of that. That's so far from the truth. This loving God, this loving God who cares about you so much, they sent Jesus to die on the cross that through him you can have eternal life. You can have that. You can trust in Christ. Or you may be here this morning and say, I'm so good, I can't be saved. I'm just so good, I can't be saved. I mean, if God could save me, he'd be lucky to get me, but I'm just really good. You know, I mean, that's a, you may be sitting in that situation. Some people are saved because they think they're too bad. Some people are not saved because they think they're too good. But the truth is the Bible tells us every person can be saved. Now, let's think about that for a moment. That means every person in the world, whether that's here in Quispamsis, whether it's New Brunswick, Canada, or the world. And so that requires us then to take the message of salvation to every person, that every person can be saved, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everybody who gives their heart to Christ, everyone who believes will be saved. And the problem is not that they can't be saved. That's not the problem. And I've discovered that the more people we witness to, the more people that can be saved. And by that, I don't mean the sense that people just can be saved because now they're eligible, but they need to hear the gospel. And that's the next part that he goes on and he talks about here. Not only can everyone be saved, but everyone needs to hear. Everyone needs to hear. Because notice what he says here in verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? That's ridiculous to think that somebody could actually do that. How can you call on somebody? Remember, if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. But how can you call on somebody when you can't believe? And the reason you can't believe is because you've never heard. How can you believe in something you've never heard is the point that's there. Now, he's not taking away from general revelation and the fact that God has revealed himself through creation. And he's not taking away from the fact about consciousness because he mentions that earlier in Romans. And he even mentions it again that that's why the Jews stand guilty. But what he's saying here is people need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
That's the greatest marching order that we as a church have, to make sure that people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's sad to think that the person across the street may go to hell because nobody ever thought of walking across the street and telling them. And we almost have this attitude, I'm sorry, but we have this attitude that if you go to hell, you deserve to go because you should have figured it out. And the truth of the matter is the Bible makes it absolutely clear that the onus isn't on them. The onus is on you and me, on us, on us that we have a responsibility to go, that we have a responsibility to tell. How can they call on whom they have not believed? Impossibility. You'd all agree. That's an impossibility. And how can they believe in whom they've never heard about? They've never heard about. And see, we've got to this place where we justify in our minds that, well, if somebody doesn't hear, God will be merciful and they'll go to heaven anyway. That's not what the Bible teaches. It doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that people who do not hear about Jesus Christ, who do not respond with Jesus Christ, invite Jesus to come into their life, are going to hell. Now, that doesn't mean they can't be saved because everybody can be saved. It's that they've not heard. And the reason they have not heard is because we've not done our job. You see, that goes to make sense there. It says, how can they call on him who they have not believed? And how can they believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching? Somebody needs to tell the good news. Somebody needs to tell the story. Now, that applies around the world. That applies whether it's here or around the world, that somebody needs to go and tell them. We need to get out of our comfort zone. We need to go. We need to go and take up that challenge. Now, there'll be somebody here that may say, hey, I feel led to do that. I feel led to go in that way. And then more than that, how shall they preach unless they are sent? That is the heart of of missions. That is the heart of missions. You remember the church in Antioch? They felt led by the Holy Spirit to send out Paul, to send out Paul, to go out from there. That's the church that was sent there. We need to be the church to say, God, who is it you're raising up? Who is it you're sending from our congregations? When's the last time we sent somebody to the missions field? When's the last time that we got behind and said, God, we feel that you're moving in our hearts and we need to raise up our young people? Are we helping our young people to be great doctors and lawyers and wonderful things? Or are we saying to our young people, there's an opportunity to make a difference, not just in finite things, but eternity? Do we encourage our young people to go? Are we telling them that there's an opportunity to go? And, you know, it comes down to are they planning on staying but willing to go or our young people, wouldn't it be great if they were planning on going but willing to stay? God, if you close the door, I won't go. And we need like never before missionaries. We need like never before because the world's gotten bigger and the missionary work has gone down. We need like never before preachers, good, solid, godly, integrity men that will stand in the word of God and stand up and preach. But they're not going to go as long as we just sit back and kind of, well, I hope they get to the field or I hope they kind of get there. And we never mention it. We need to be a church that's about missions. We need to be a church that's about the work of God. And we need to be encouraging our young people to think about going to the fields. I'll go farther than that. We need to encourage our older people to think that they need to go to the field. 
Wouldn't it be great if God would raise up a middle-aged couple or an older couple says, we just feel God is leading us to go to the field in that way. Wouldn't it be awesome? And I want to be a church that's sending. Uh, wouldn't it be great if we said, well, folks, guess what? We just lost 10 people this year. Oh, where'd you lose them to? We lost them to the mission field. Wouldn't that be a problem? I could handle that one, you know. Uh, you know, they didn't leave grump or upset or mad about something they left because God called them out. We need to be that church. We need to get fired up about missions. We need to get fired up around this world, and we need to get fired up about the calling of God. We are to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We are to go and tell them about Jesus, and we are to get fired up about that. So let's have a church that's about missions. Let's have a church that's about reaching this world. They're never going to hear. People are dying every day and going to hell with never hearing the gospel. And it seems more and more and more like the North American church is becoming more and more and more about itself. How can we do what we want to do? How can we build up? Now, don't get me wrong. You need to have a healthy church in order to be a missions church. We need to be a healthy church to be a missions church. We need to have good unity. We need to have oneness. We need to have finances where they need to be. But I got news for you, folks. Unless I'm missing something, we're a healthy church. And we need to move to the next step, which is to send. To send. We need to be that church is sending out the preachers, sending out the gospel, send the light. Remember the song we used to sing, send, send, send. We need to be that because everyone needs to hear. Everyone needs to hear. He goes on and he says, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? We need to send. How to send. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. That's an Old Testament quote. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news or bring the gospel, the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, the Lord has, uh, who has believed what he has heard from me. And then it goes on, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That's how it happens. He says, even though some may not believe, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, the gospel, hearing about Jesus. Jesus changed lives. People don't just fall into salvation. People need to be told that there is a way for them to be saved. You know, you want to get a church fired up? Talk about new life. Isn't, there, isn't it great? How, of us, how many of us get excited when a young couple, thank goodness it's young couples, when young couples brings a baby. Huh? Doesn't that get us all excited? I mean, some of you become babies yourself. Oh, you cute little thing. You know, we all just go right back into our childhood, right? We all get right back and we're talking and Googling and going on about this. But there's a life. There's an excitement that's there. There needs to be life in the church. Ken, when you stand up and tell me about somebody who got saved because of a work that we're supporting in Toronto, or a church that's now going to be reused to reach that community for Christ. If that doesn't fire you up, folks, your wood's wet. I know all about fire right now. I do. That doesn't fire you right up. Your wood's wet. There's something wrong spiritually. You need to go home and get on your knees and say, God, what's wrong with me? Change me. Give me a passion for souls. Give me a passion for missions. And as a church, we won't change the world total world, 
but we may change one life or two lives or somebody in Russia or somebody in India or somebody somewhere else because that's what God's called us to do. You see, we're not called to lead people to Christ. What? We're not called to lead people to Christ. Never been called to do that. We are called to share the gospel and the Holy Spirit leads people to Christ. We need to be faithful, faithful in making sure that they are sent. Thirdly, everyone will not respond. You know, everyone will not respond. It just makes it clear. Because he says here in verses 19 down through, and he says, but I ask you, have they not heard? Indeed, they have. Well, why haven't they responded? Is it because they've not heard? No, they've heard. It tells us the voice has gone out to all the earth, the words to the end of the world, talking about creation and, and uh, consciousness, uh, talking about the, the message that's gone forth. Verse 19, but I ask you, did Israel not understand? Yeah, they understood. They just decided not to, not to do that. And so what God did, he's come to the Gentiles now, and he's using the Gentiles, verse 19 tells us that, to challenge the nation of Israel to challenge them. He's using my and your salvation to challenge them in that way. And he says in verse 20, I have found by those who did not seek me, I have shown myself to those who did not ask me. You and I have been reached. And you've got, we've got to realize that if God had not sent Paul to the Gentiles, you and I would not be sitting here. You see, the, the truth is that right from the conception of the gospel, somebody has been sent. Somebody has been sent, and Paul was called and then sent to the, as the apostles to the Gentiles so that you and I can be saved. Cornelius was saved. Why? Because Peter went there and told him the gospel. There are people that are desperate, that are dying. We need to be moved by that, that are lost, that will go out to a Christless eternity, not because they're not responding but because they've never heard, and they've never heard because we've not done our job as a church or the church. So much more needs to be done. He goes on to verse 23, and he talks about Israel, 21, sorry. But of Israel, he says, all day long I've held up my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Are there people that are going to reject? You better believe there is. Do you people that are going to say, no, I'm fine. I don't need to be rescued. I'm good. You better believe there is. Absolutely, that's true. But that does not relieve our responsibility to run into the building. That does not give us a break. What is our motive for missions? That some might be saved. Some. Some might be saved. Suggest that someone might not respond to the salvation message and therefore justifies us not going and telling others about Jesus is no excuse. It would be like coming upon a, a shipwreck. And you look out and there's people that are alive that are floating in the water. And you say, wow, there's a thousand people out there. I don't think I can rescue them all. So my, my way of handling this is to turn and not rescue any are we going to reach everybody? No. Are they going to respond yeah, in a positive way? Not all of them. But I'll tell you something. The God, if we allow him to, will move our hearts and move this church to reach many, many people for Christ. Many are lost. 
Many are dying. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. And it is our job to be the bridge between the two. What are we doing as a church to reach people for Christ? I'm thankful that we have almost $100,000 a budget this year for missions. Somewhere near $100,000 it's going to be. It's right around there somewhere, Ken, something like that in that area. That's not enough. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's not enough. We need to send. We need to go. We need to pray. We need to have compassion because people need Jesus. Everyone can be saved. That's true. But they may not be because we didn't tell them because everyone needs to hear. Not all will respond, but we still need to go. May God move us as a church to have a passion for missions that changes, maybe not the world, but changes lives one at a time. That people move from a way of going to a terrible, awful, gnashing of teeth, terrible place to being in the presence of Christ forever. It's amazing. God takes us who are basically just clay and is so finite and so feeble and he uses us to do eternal work. How amazing that is. Let's be a church that sends. Let's be a church that tells people about Christ. Let's fire up our missions program like we never have before. Let's reach this world as Jesus has called us to do. Father, I thank you so much for your word. And I know, Father, that it's been quick this morning, but it's such an important subject. Oh, Lord, we could be right in all points. We could have our governance right. We could have our, our right people on the right bus. We could, have, we could have all of our organization right. We have our unity going. We have our finances taken care of. But if we're not reaching people for Jesus, we are failing. Because that's what we're called to do as a church. Right now, Father, we pray for the people in India around this church that we're building. We're not building it because we say, look, aren't we great? We've built a building. Isn't that wonderful? The minute eternity comes, that thing's not worth a hoot. We're building it because there's people around the community that need to be reached for Jesus. We're supporting a missions organization, uh, a work of Seth Beebe down in the middle of Toronto because he's reaching people that are international with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're supporting radios going into Bolivia because we're praying, not because people can now have entertainment, but that through that radio they'll hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and the heart will be changed. We're in Russia, Lord, because we believe that playing churches in Russia makes a huge difference. Lord, help us to be a church that's so sold out on missions, not because we have a great program and a big budget, but because at the end of all of that, there are people that need to be moved from the road of hell to the road of heaven, from the road of destruction to the road of life. We're to rescue the perishing, pray for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus can save. In Jesus' name, amen.